Good morning, good morning, New Life Midtown. How is everybody doing today? Yeah? All right. Good to see your beautiful faces in the house this morning. Grace and peace be to you. And also to me, yes, thank you. Thank you. You know, two weeks ago when we started off our Galatians series with that phrase, grace and peace, it has just captured me and it has exploded inside of my spirit. I can never say grace and peace to anyone the same way again. And I'm praying that you catch that revelation too. You are releasing grace and peace when you speak that blessing over one another. Amen. All right. So guys, I've come here this morning to announce something to you. It's a participatory announcement which means that when I announce this to you, I'm asking you to announce something back to me. And when you announce this back to me, I want everyone just to, with the loudest applause that you can muster, I'm going to say Christ is risen because he is. And you're going to respond and you're going to say he is risen indeed. And when you do, the whole house is going to erupt. All right? Theo, it's good to see you, brother. Good to have you back, man. For like what? Five days? Ten days? tomorrow and make sure I hug your neck. Okay. Before you, I got to catch a flight to Guatemala, but I'm gonna hug your neck before I leave. Okay. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Abigail. Good to see you too, sweetie. Hey, friends and family, let me announce to you today that Christ is risen. Amen. Let's lift up our hands today. Yes, Lord. Guys, that's the bedrock of our message. That is the foundation of everything that we stand for. That is the hope that we have in the, in the now and in the future that Christ is risen and he has in fact risen indeed. No force, no power, no authority, no dominion in heaven or earth or hell can stand against the power of our God. And if we did nothing but gather on a regular basis to remind ourselves that we serve the resurrected one, to remind ourselves that our God raises the dead, that nothing is impossible for him, that life doesn't end in this world, we would have done a good thing together. Amen. Amen. Guys, we are uh, in the third part of our series in the book of Galatians. If you're here with us today for the first time in person or online, we welcome you and we greet you in the name of the Lord. And we pray that you feel just right at home here with us at New Life Midtown. We belong to eight other congregations here in our city. And it is our honor to be planted right here in the center of our city to serve and to bless the community around us. And we're just delighted that you're here with us today. Why don't you grab your Bibles and we are going to go straight to the book of Galatians chapter 1. And I think we'll be done with chapter 1 this week. So we can start encroaching other territories in the book of Galatians after today. Galatians chapter 1 beginning in verse 11. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. Do you know that every time you open your Bible, that every time you sit underneath the preaching of the word in person or under a podcast or under a video, that you're sitting underneath a message that has been divinely inspired and divinely crafted from before the earth was ever created. That before he flung one star into the heavenlies, God had a message. It is called the gospel of Jesus. That would be salvific and it would be redemptive and it would be liberating and it would be restorative. And this is the gospel that you and I hear on a weekly basis. It's the gospel that we received 
And it's the gospel that every one of us have been commissioned to be faithful to. It is not of human origin. There's not a, there's not a human being that could have made this story up. They could try. There's been fabrications and substitutes, but I'm here to tell you today this message is a message from God. And let's keep reading here in verse 12. Paul says, I did not receive this message from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation. Everybody shout revelation. I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. And then Paul begins to talk about how deep in darkness and sin he was, even though he was a religious leader, he was a scholar, he knew the Old Testament back and forth. He could quote every word of the first five books of the Old Testament. Guys, that's a feat. That is a feat. I mean, we have trouble with Proverbs and Psalm 23, and Paul got all up in Leviticus. I mean, that joker was, he was quoting the law verbatim. I mean, he was serious about this thing. And I can tell you today that you can quote the word and still murder other people. You can quote the word and still assassinate other people's characters, right? And that was Paul. And he begins to explain this in verse 13. You have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and I tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. And I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, oh, there it is, Sidron. But when God, I mean, the guy was a terrorist, but when God, right? The guy was manhunting people, knocking on doors, dragging them out into the street, throwing them into prison, and then God. Oh, but when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal, everybody shout reveal, to reveal his son in me. Now, I want you to just, you got to think about this. This man was the furthest thing away from what we might describe as Christian today. And yet Paul has this revelation and he says this. He says that even when I was in my mother's womb, before I memorized any of these verses, before I sat there giving my agreement to Stephen's death when he was stoned by religious leaders, before I received orders to go back to Damascus and pull people out of their homes and throw them into prison, God had called me. God had put his fingerprints on me. God had given me a divine destiny. He had given me a name. He had given me a purpose before I was even in my mother's womb, and he called me by his grace. And some of you are here today, and you are still praying for the grace of God to be revealed over your children, over your grandchildren, over your spouse, over your parents, over your family members. And guys, I'm here to announce to you today that in the same way that God called Paul, God has called every single person you were crying out for. And when he put them in their mother's womb, God marked them with grace. And then the scripture says right here, he was pleased to reveal his son in me, not just to me. See, this is what you have to understand about the power of the gospel. It's not just a revelation that comes to us. It is the revelation of Jesus inside of us. That Jesus is revealed in us so that every part of our lives is transformed to look like God. Right? The goal isn't that we know more. The goal isn't that we annihilate people with our verbal rhetoric and our intellectual prowess. The goal is that we become like Jesus. 
I mean, Paul said that. He guys he says, listen, you guys could not hold a candle to me. I could win every philosophical, sociological, and religious argument. You cannot hold a candle to me, but I'm assassinating people. I'm assassinating people. And the goal Paul understood after revelation came was that if my life doesn't look like Jesus, then it's not Jesus who's being revealed in me. Today, I want to talk with you about this revolutionary gospel that we're becoming more fascinated with, that we're becoming more in love with. The gospel of Jesus that is the power of God unto salvation for those that believe. And today I want to announce to you that the gospel must be revealed and it must be received. It must be revealed and it must be received. You can sit underneath the preaching of the word for decades and still have no revelation still have no insight, still have no understanding about the true message behind the message that God is trying to communicate and work inside of your lives, you guys. I feel like I'm on this quest for the gospel to be revealed in my life. And one of the fruits of you knowing how the gospel is revealed is that we become like the cruciform Christ of which the gospel speaks of. When Jesus Christ was revealed in me, then I I began to lay my life down. Paul says this over and over again throughout the scriptures. I was was whipped multiple times. I was shipwrecked. I was beaten. I went without food. I, I stayed up all night long. Why in God's name would you do this, Paul? Because Jesus was revealed in me. And he began to, the revelation of Jesus in me began to displace this violent, angry, arrogant murderer. And it began to make me more and more kind and gentle and sacrificial. That is the power of the gospel. But friends, it must be revealed. Years ago, and I'm, I'm using a little bit of an antiquated analogy today. See, because we live in the era of Chip and Jojo gains. We all love Chip and Jojo. Chip and Jojo are amazing. We're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars buying broke down pieces of furniture because it has magnolia written on it. You got that from Hobby Lobby and you put an M on it and now we're going to we're going to pay hundreds of dollars for that. But before Chip and Jojo, there was a man by the name of Ty Pennington. Everybody remember Ty Pennington? Yes. Right? The original Chip and Jojo. An extreme home makeover when they would come into a, a family's home and they would send that family away on a vacation. And they would take this dilapidated, broke-down house, and they would absolutely transform every part of the house. It was magnificent. And then after a week, they'd bring the family back. The family would come out of the stretch limo, and they'd have their eyes covered. But then they would open their eyes, and standing between the limo and the house was this, anybody remember? This massive bus, right? And Ty Pennington would stand up, and what would he say? He would say, move that Man, you guys are awesome. And they'd move that bus, and man, women would start crying, and guys were like, ah, and kids were jumping up and down. What happened in that moment? That's called revelation. When that bus moved, something that was covered, something that was hidden, something that was veiled, was now removed. The house was always there. The work had been done, the beautification had been done. The renovation had been done. The work had been put in. And yet the family had come and they had no idea what was there. That's life in the kingdom. That's life in the kingdom. 
like Jesus has things behind whatever obstruction it is that's in your life. He's got peace and he's got grace and he's got strength and he's got beauty for you and it's hidden behind something and God is speaking over your life today. Move that bus and let revelation come. Let revelation of what the gospel is all about for you. We've been transported into another kind of life, brothers and sisters. We have been transported into new creation reality. The scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Beginning of verse 4. Actually, I'll start with verse 3. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 says, And even if our gospel is veiled, you see, the enemy's job is to keep you from recognizing what's behind the bus. Right? I think the enemy has a semblance of an understanding of what is available for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's why he's fighting so hard against you and against your marriage and against your children and against the church. You think it's coincidental that, that Pharaoh stood up and he says, I'm going to just randomly, spontaneously murder every child in this land, two years old and younger. Like the enemy had an insight. There's a deliverer coming. And if I can keep this entire nation in bondage, then I can keep, I just, I know there's a seed and a promise. I've heard about it. They told me in the garden when they banished me from the garden that somebody's coming and he's going to strike me with his heel and I've got to do everything I can to circumvent that and disqualify that and keep that from happening. The enemy has an idea of what's in your life. That's why he's fighting so hard against you. That's why he's fighting so hard against the church in this hour. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Verse 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they do not have revelation. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. You know what the gospel does? Go back one, Everett, if you could. The gospel displays Jesus. It displays who Jesus is in every broken situation. It displays who Jesus is in every hopeless circumstance. And if we don't have revelation, we can't see the light of the gospel. And if we can't see the light of the gospel, we cannot imagine what God would be in this situation. We need to have our imagination captured again with revelation by the gospel. Go with me to Matthew chapter 16. I might need to borrow a few minutes today because it's second service. I had to rush this. I had to rush this in the first service. But this is second service, folk. This is people who are like, Pastor, we'll give you a few more minutes. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? What's the rumor on the streets? And they said, well, some people say that you're John the Baptist and some say that you're Elijah and some say that you're one of the prophets. And he says, that's fine. That's good. That's good. But let's get down to brass tacks. Let's get down right here. You and me, not what your pastor, not what your podcast listener, speaker, like what about you? Who do you say that I am? What revelation do you have of me? You guys remember the story in the book of Acts? There were seven sons. 
And they caught word. They caught word that, man, there's power in the kingdom. And so there was a guy who was possessed and filled with demons and devils. And these seven sons go, oh, man, I heard what, I heard what these guys do. These guys just roll up and they use these names. And if, when they say these names, these demons stop tormenting people. And so they come to this guy and they go, hey, listen, you, in the name of, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, you have no power in somebody else's revelation. There is no power for you in somebody else's revelation of who Jesus is. Jesus has a revelation of himself for you, and it is in that revelation that you do business. It's on that revelation that you take your stand against the fight of the enemy. It's on that revelation of who Jesus is that you war for your family, that you fight for the promises. It's on that revelation of who Jesus is. But you've got to have that revelation. Now, you can surround yourself with people and have them share that with you until it gets in your bones. But I want to know what's in your bones about who Jesus is. Take inventory of what he's done in your life. Remember how you stayed up late at night not knowing how you're going to get through the next day and you were praying and you were fasting and he came through and then we forget about that. No, no. Go back and revisit the revelation of who Jesus is in your life. You guys remember when David shows up to Saul when they're fighting this massive giant and Goliath is just breathing down these intimidations and threats and David rolls out there and he goes, this is no big deal. Why? Because he revisited the revelation of who God was. Oh, listen, the same God who delivered me from the lion revelation, the same God who delivered me from the bear revelation will do the exact same thing because somewhere over the course of time, I discovered that God is consistent. I discovered that God is faithful. I discovered that God's a deliverer. I discovered that God is powerful and I stand in that revelation. Friends, don't assume that you've extracted everything that there is to know about the gospel. You, you, you haven't even gotten started. We're just getting started. You said, I've been serving Jesus for faith. You're just getting started. We will spend the rest of eternity just excavating what is inside of this gospel that points to who Jesus, the infinite, majestic one, is. We will be fascinated with him all the days of eternity. But watch this. So Jesus throws this question out there, and then Peter Peter has this kind of like spontaneous eruption. He goes, I think, I think you're the son of God. I think you're the one that we've been praying for and believing for and that the prophets have been speaking about for hundreds of years. And this is what Jesus says. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this. Say revealed. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Revelation is a gift of grace that comes from the father. Revelation is a gift of grace, and this is why. So that none of us can take pride in who we think we know Jesus to be. In fact, if you're taking pride in your so-called revelation of Jesus, it's not revelation of Jesus that comes from the Father. Because a true revelation of Jesus will make you more like Jesus. 
Go with me to John chapter 16 in verse 12 through 14. This is a fun one. In John 16, verse 12, he says, I have much more to say to you now. This is on the heat, like right on the edge of Jesus about to be crucified and resurrected. And he's having this intimate conversation with his disciples. And this is what he says to them. He goes, guys, I have so much to say to you. I'd be like, stop the presses, y'all. Y'all need to grab me some recorders. And Jesus, you just talk, talk. And we're going to capture it. And we're going to try to go back. And Jesus says, you don't have to do that, guys. Listen. Verse 13, he says, but when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you. He's going to lead you into truth. He's going to lead you into what's right. He's going to lead you into ultimate reality. He's going to cut through the smoke screen. He's going to cut through the smoke screen of religion and philosophy and the culture. And he's going to get right down into the heart of the matter. And he's going to lead you into truth. Listen, if you want to know truth, you need the Holy Spirit. You cannot understand the gospel and you cannot know who Jesus is without the Holy Spirit. Guys, listen, it's, 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 it's been tried. Right? There have been professors and academicians and there have been philosophers and scientists who have read the scripture over and over and over again. But you cannot receive truth in this without the Holy Spirit. He's the interpreter. He's the key. He's the guide. Let's look at verse 13 again. But when he comes... The spirit of truth, he's going to guide you into all truth. Why? Because he's not going to speak on his own. In other words, the Holy Spirit has no opinions. I'm going to wait for about five seconds to let that just drop. The Holy Spirit does not have opinions. The Holy Spirit does not have opinions. So when you're engaging situations in your life, in your work, in your neighborhood, in the world, on social media, in Afghanistan, if you're engaging those situations, my counsel to you is find out what the Holy Spirit is saying. You guys remember this story? I want, you could take that down, but we're going to go back to it. But you can, for now, you can take that down. But there's this story, if you guys recall, where... Stephen, who's the first martyr of the New Testament in Acts chapter 7. We looked at his life last week. And Stephen is standing up and he is speaking truth to the religious leaders. And this caught me the other day. That there's a scene when the religious leaders are fed up. And they all begin to shout at the top of their lungs, right? And it sounds like what's happening today. It's like we're just joining this cacophony of voices. And we think that it's actually breaking through and making a difference. Okay, here's what breaks through and makes a difference. It's not retweeting and reposting and no, no, no. What breaks through and makes a difference is what is God saying in the situation? What is the voice of the Lord in this situation, which requires that we lean in and we get quiet and we remove the agitation and we silence ourselves and we humble ourselves. Let's go back and look at that verse one more time. But when he comes, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. Why? Why, why, why? Because he will not speak on his own. He will not give you his opinions. I'm not saying, you're saying, you're saying, pastor, we can't have, we can't have a perspective on the issue. No, you can have all the perspectives you want. Just, just funnel your perspective through the word of God. But when he speaks, he will only speak what he hears. We need more speaking that is prophetic. Amen. That's right. 
Psalm 29 on Wednesday, the men and I read this and we prayed over this. And I just encourage you, go back and read Psalm 29 over and over again. Psalm 29 talks about the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord is mighty. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord thunders over the waters, which means that there is a voice that is clearer and that is more powerful and that is more authoritative and it is more life-changing and society-changing than the, the waters, the waters. What do I mean by the waters? Just the waters of, of craziness that's out there. We need a word that cuts through that. And God has a word for the people of God, but it comes by revelation. Friends, we need revelation. We need to cry out for revelation. God, give us, give us revelation of the gospel and give us revelation of what the prophetic word of the Lord is for this hour in history. There's a reason why you and I are living in this time of history. This is our battle. This is our time to figure out what it means to be faithful followers of Jesus as the church of God, the faithful witness the faithful witness of who Jesus is that he has left on the earth for such a time as this. None of this has taken God by surprise. None of it. Right. And we, we need to have confidence that God has something to say, that God is doing something, and that's what we need to tune into. The gospel must be revealed. But secondly, the gospel must be received. This is my favorite part of this message to preach. Galatians chapter one, let's go back to verse 11. This is where I need to borrow a few more minutes because I think there's something here for somebody. Galatians one verse 11 says, I want you to know brothers and sisters that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not, everybody shout out receive. receive. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it. Say received. I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Everything in God is received. Everything. Everything. Guys, we could fill up a whiteboard here and take inventory. Your Bible reading, it's received. Your prayer life, it's received. Your artistic talents, it's received. Your ability to sing, it's received. The lungs in your breath today, it's received. Your ability to preach, your insight, your revelation, your faith. Your faith isn't even your faith. You can't even have faith without God giving you faith. Everything in God is received. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Everything. And we have to discern because the things that you're passionate about, the things that you're drawn to, that is also received from God. But you have to make sure that it is from God. It is flowing from the character and the life of God because we can receive some things, some passions, some burdens, some convictions and callings, and we can try to live those out in our own strength and in our own ability and in our own opinion and in our own wisdom. Are you understanding this? This is Jonathan's favorite part of this message to preach where he goes back to Peter, right? The revelation was received. And then Peter interprets this revelation and goes, now, Jesus, you just sit down and be quiet because you can't go to Jerusalem. <laughs> Jesus is like, okay, <laughs> this is cute. <laughs> you need to get behind me, Satan. <laughs> okay. 
gold star for revelation, all right, you fumbled it on the receiving part. The word receive is a powerful word in the Greek. It's one of my favorite words. I don't know many words, but it's one of the few that I know. So I kind of like play that off like, I'd like I'm really like great in the Greek language. No, it's, I, I know one word. It's, it's this one. The word received is lombano. Say lombano. lombano. Yeah, you'll probably never say that again. Uh, but I want you to cap, I want you to get a hold of this word because the word receive, it's not passive. It's not passive, right? So here we go. I got this, I got this nice little new life mug here, Jonathan. Would you like this nice? I love these little Yeti cups here. All right, now look, boom. You know what he just did? Take that. He received that. He took his hands and he stretched them out. And what it is that I had to offer, he laid a hold of it and he pulled it into himself. And now he's got an awesome Yeti cup. It's going to keep his coffee all hot in the morning. And right, the things in God that he holds out to us, God holds out life to you every day, every day. And it must be received. It must be taken. This is an active word. It's not a passive word. The things in God are not apprehended by passivity. The things of God are not possessed by passivity. They must be possessed. They must be taken hold of over and over and over again. You guys remember this story in Philippians chapter three. Paul is talking about his old life outside of God. Read Philippians three. It's, it's masterful. But the story takes this turn. Because in the first, ten, the first nine verses, Paul is saying, listen, I've done everything humanly possible to be wise in the ways of earthly religion. I superseded everyone. And then he makes this turn. He says, but I consider all of it dung, dung, rubbish, garbage, trash. Why? Because what is real is knowing who Jesus is. And then he says this. He says, I want to know Christ and I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. But before he says this, I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. I want Christ to be revealed in me. I want the cruciform Christ to become a living reality in me. And then by the power of the resurrection, I have the grace to live that life out. And then he says this. He goes, guys, I've not, I've not, I've not, I've not fulfilled this. I don't consider myself yet to have taken a hold of this. And then he says, but one thing that I do, I forget what is behind. And then he goes, and I press on toward what is ahead. I press on toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus so that I might apprehend, so that I might live out the very reason for which Christ apprehended me. Anybody have any idea what that word apprehend is? It's Lombano. Jesus Christ received Paul by active apprehension. Like, I don't really hear that word apprehend much, but you know where you do hear it? You hear it when you hear about a police officer apprehending a criminal, where they chase a criminal down and they put their hands on that criminal in order to seize that criminal. This is what the word means. It means in the same force, in the same aggression, in the same intensity, in the same concentration, in the same pursuit, apprehend the gospel. Lay a hold of everything that's inside of the gospel. God, I am chasing your gospel down. If there's healing in your gospel, I'm chasing it down. If there's supernatural power and ability in your gospel, I'm chasing it down. 
If there is beauty in your gospel, I'm, if there's peace in your gospel, if there's passion in your gospel, Jesus, reveal your gospel to me. And then, listen, you've got to lay a hold of it, friends. You've got to receive it. You've got to take hold of it. You've got to possess it. You've got to claim it. You've got to say, that's mine. I take that. Look with me in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Paul says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Now, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you, say it with me, receive the Spirit by the works of the law? In other words, that what was given to you by gift, that which you received by faith, now you're trying to work for it. No, the gospel must be revealed so it's alive and it must be received by faith and humility. Because when you have a receiving life, you recognize that everything is from God. You know what we practice every week? We practice the discipline of receiving. We practice the discipline of coming with open hands and open hearts and saying, God, all that you are, all that you've given, all that you've made possible for us in this new reality, it's not because of a thing that I've done but it's because of the grace of God in Christ Jesus that you have made available by gift and now it informs everything that I do. Listen, it informs. It sh- the grace of God informs. It speaks into and it shapes and it creates everything that you do in life when you receive it. You cannot give what you do not have. You cannot have what you have not received. So now, verse two, I would like to learn just one thing. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Galatians chapter three, verse 14. Galatians three fourteen. Paul says, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus so that by faith, we might, shout it out, receive. God, there are so many power words in that. God redeemed you to bless you. He redeemed you to bless you. Do you think that he would go on this suicide mission in order to rip you out of the clutches of hell just so that you could live as an orphan? You gotta catch this today. He redeemed you in order for him to lavish you with everything that is available in heaven for you. He redeemed you to bless you. He redeemed you to put his spirit inside of you. He redeemed you to call you his own. Friends, receive that. Not by anything that you do, by your works. He redeemed us in order to bless us in the same blessing that he began with Abraham. This is how powerful our God is that he began something thousands of years ago and that through the faithful stewardship, Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, Jacob to the 12, Joseph to the entire nation of Israel, the entire nation of Israel to Moses, Moses to Joshua, Joshua and Caleb. I mean, and then it just goes on and on from the judges, from Samson and Othniel and Ehud and Deborah, and it just keeps going and faithfully they hand this off generation after generation receiving a promise, a simple promise 
that God gave to Abraham, he set something in motion. Abraham, if you follow me faithfully, son, I'm going to do something you couldn't even imagine. Look at the stars of the sky and the sand on the sea, and I'm going to bless your household. And it's not because of anything that you do. Son, just receive it. He redeemed us in order to bless us, that the blessing given to Abraham might come to every single one of us, right? So that by faith we might, say it with me, receive. Last verse, Galatians chapter 4, second to last verse. You said you're going to give me a few more minutes. Galatians chapter 4, look at verse 4 and 5. But when the time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might. You guys, you don't even need it on the screen. That's how good you are. But just because it's on the screen now again, let's read it again. But when the time had fully come, God sent a son, born of a woman, born under the law. Verse 5. to redeem those under the law that we might, shout it out, receive adoption to sonship. I cannot wait to preach the sonship message. That's in a couple of weeks. You're not a son or a daughter in the family of God because of anything you've done. You are a son or daughter in the family of God because the gospel of Jesus Christ has been revealed to you. Because of everything that the Father has done for you, that has made available to you, because he purchased you, because he made this possible, because he invited you into his family. And now all you have to do is just walk in and go, yes, please. Yes, please. I'll take some of that. I'll take some of that. It's yours. Receive it by faith, not in what you've done, but by faith in what Jesus has done. Jonathan, if you would come up this morning, and we're going to look at this last passage of scripture here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. A lot of places we could go in this concept. You have to understand, brothers and sisters, that we are where we are today because God has faithfully given a promise and generations have stu- they've received that promise and they allowed that promise to shape their lives and their choices, their decisions. And then what they did is they raised up sons and daughters, either biologically or spiritually, then they they handed that promise off. Hold this. Hold this message. Everything, everything is riding on this message. Everything, the secrets of the universe are in this message. The truth of reality is in this message. Life and liberty and freedom is in this message. Hold on to this message. It's going to be tested. It's going to be questioned. It's going to be fought against. But brothers and sisters, hold on to this message that we serve the God who raises the dead. Hold on to this message that God has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That he has called you to be a kingdom of priests that you are made in the image of God and that you are dearly loved and he is fighting on your behalf and no matter how dark the world gets, that light shall overcome the darkness. Don't give up on this message. Write this message on the tablet of your hearts and then pass it on. Write it on the hearts of your children. Put it in your songs. Put it in your art. Let this message be everywhere. God has overcome and he is coming back again. This is why we sing the creed 
And when I get back from sabbatical, we're going to speak the creed every week because this is the message that binds us and holds us together. It's the message that identifies us as a church and distinguishes us from the world. We are a different people. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. I mean, y'all should have been ready. Sidron told y'all there's fire in the house this morning. Verse 1 now, brothers and sisters, would you just would you just close your eyes and imagine Paul himself speaking this to you? Brothers and sisters, you're like, Pastor, Paul sounds a lot like you. I want to remind you of the gospel, the gospel I preached to you, which you received. I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you take your stand. Friends, look at me today. The only way that you're going to be able to stand today is by revelation of this gospel. I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. In a postmodern, pluralistic, relativistic, antagonistic, divisive culture, the only way the church of the living God will stand is by sinking our roots deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into a revelation of this gospel. Friends, you have not even begun to plumb the depths of this message grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to redeem us from this present evil age by the will of God our Father. Stand with me to your feet this morning. Give us revelation of the gospel. Do you know why this is important? Because generations are waiting on the other side of your revelation. This has got to be deep in your bones, friends. Something you're willing to fight for and something you're willing to die for and something you're willing to be quiet for when need be and something you're willing to fast and pray into and something you'd be willing to etch deep into your spirit. There's a generation. They, They need this. They need you. In the book of Judges, we find that it only takes one generation. One generation. It only takes one generation to forget. Scripture tells us in Judges chapter 2, verse 10, that when Joshua and the elders had died, that there was yet an entire generation that had arisen who had not heard the stories of God's works. How is that possible? How is it possible that you don't tell your grandchildren about a Red Sea opening up and swallowing the armies of Pharaoh. How is that even possible? What else are you talking about at the dinner table? How is it possible you're not telling your grandchildren about being fed from heaven itself and water coming out of rocks? You must speak 
this message to future generations. They are depending on it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This, brothers and sisters, is my body, and it's broken for you. It's broken to make you whole. It's available for you. Do this and remember. Reflect in such a way that your reflection shapes your life. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is the new agreement. This is the new arrangement. You don't have to fight for this or work for this or earn this. You have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus, friends. Your sins have been absolved. Live in the freedom of Christ. Take and drink. Friends, today I want to invite you to come to the table of the Lord. We're going to celebrate together. We're going to rejoice together. We're going to laugh together. We're going to weep together. And we're going to allow the body and the blood of Jesus to shape us together. You can exit on the left of your aisle, and we're going to take this together. Is anybody encouraged this morning? Something heavenly and sacred, something beautiful and powerful and holy has been handed off to us. And today I want to remind you of this gospel that I preach to you on which you have received and in which you take your stand that the body of Jesus has been broken so you may be made whole. And I pray today that every part of your life would be made whole. Your mind, let it be made whole now in the name of Jesus. Your body, let it be made whole in the name of Jesus. Your relationships, let them be made whole. Your emotions, let them be made whole because Christ's body was broken for you. Let's break it and let us receive with joy in our hearts, church. Ah. Hallelujah. Anticipate that glorious day when fresh bread comes to the table of the Lord. And in like manner, I announce to you today, the blood of Jesus has been spilled so that you don't have to spill your blood. Cease striving and know he is God and he is for you and he is with you. Brothers and sisters, let us receive of the cup, the blood of Christ shed for you. That's worth clapping over.
That's worth it. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Jonathan, would you lead us in a song of doxology, my brother? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise Him, all creatures here below. We praise you, God. We give you thanks today. Praise Him above ye heavenly church. You sound magnificent. And I just feel anointed to bless you today and commission you out. I want to remind you that our table groups, our fall table groups begin this week. And if you have bandwidth, if you have space in your life, we know life can be crazy and busy, but if you want to connect over good friendship, over good food, over the gifts, over the presence of God invading our homes If you want to be a blessing to others and have them bless you guys, join a table group. It's going to connect you deeper into the life of God here in this house and in this family. And they start this week. You can sign up on all the different groups or any of the different groups on midtown.newlifechurch.org. After I pray, I'm going to hug Theo, and then I got to run and catch a plane to Guatemala. So I love you all, but I'm not going to be able to chat. All right. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, God power of the Holy Spirit today. Let it just fill every one of our brothers and sisters and anoint them afresh and anew today with revelation from on high, revelation of who Jesus is, revelation of the worthy one, revelation of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that has been given to us to dwell within us, revelation of the one who goes before us, Revelation of the one who has created us in his image and is working out all things together for the good. Today, God, let, let, our, let our hope and our encouragement be lifted. And as we go into this world, God, I pray that we would go out as lights, knowing that according to John 1, 4, that the light overcomes the darkness. And so, Father God, today I proclaim that this people are a passionate people, and they are an overcoming people. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and be gracious to you and make his face shine on you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and the shalom of God be upon you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you guys.